This is Give Me Some Truth. This podcast features appearances from Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, and myself, Mitch DeWitt, from Walkner Condon Financial Advisors in Madison, Wisconsin. Give Me Some Truth is dedicated to providing an accessible and authentic view into the financial services industry, as well as current events and investment concepts that you can apply in your day-to-day life. Here are your hosts. I'd like to say that uh, we've had more and more people say that they listen to our podcast, and we really appreciate you all taking the time uh, to listen to us, uh, to pontificate on all the different uh, things that we decide to pop into our heads and share with you. Um, number one, you know, sometimes you you learn something new about someone, and I just learned something about Nate. Um, Nate and I are the only two in the room today, and uh, I, I learned. There's from no referee or supervision <laughs> at all. It's just the two of us. This might be an hour and a half long podcast. It, it, it no might idea. be. No, Kevin. We don't have Kevin anymore. Kevin left to, to uh, greeter pastures to go it's to the University of Chicago. Three-hour podcast. Nor- <laughs> normally, he would cut us off <laughs> and tell us to get on task. And so it's just Nate and I know. So, anyways, um, Nate, I just found out that you do not like steam rooms or saunas. I want to like them. I know I'm supposed to like them, but and I've tried. It just it kind of makes me claustrophobic in a way. Like the heat kind of it. It's like you can't breathe, and it's I I don't I try to do it, and I'm good for maybe three and a half minutes, and then I and then I'm out. I can't. What's, I figure that's good though, right? Is three and a half minutes good? No, Did that do you, what it was supposed to do. <laughs> I don't, I don't so. even know what it's supposed to do. What is it supposed to do? Well, it's supposed to you know be this night. Well, it depends. Like like the sauna. You know, you get a good sweat on, you know, and it just clears you out. You feel great. I mean, I, I think a good sauna is good, and a good steam room is just then it. The steam room is, you know, kind of the opposite. It's just that that moisture, and it's that like eucalyptus scent in it, and it's awesome. Like it's just great. The three and a half minutes doesn't really do it. You, you're not really sweating it. I think it's point. fine. I think it's. I think it's fine. It's like doing one set of curls, and you, you're good then. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> it's kind of where I'm at. Are you doing a hundred repetitions of those <laughs> no, curls? No, no, just yeah. three for three. That's it. <laughs> Your workouts are very quick, aren't they? Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, so your your maximum efficiency. So Nate does uh, one <laughs> one set of three reps and uh, what about seven or eight different things there? Done. Done, and then a three and a half minute steam. I'm in and out in twelve minutes. <laughs> that's that's high intensity interval training. All right, I, I got Kevin's voice in my head right. from Chicago t- telling us to rein it in. Yeah. Here. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. So today, um, we wanted to talk a little bit. The title of this uh, podcast is going to be "My Stock Is Better Than Your Stock," and uh, you know we've had a few clients like to call us occasionally, and uh, you know they want us to buy stocks for them because we don't really gen- generally give individual stock recommendations. It's not it, it's not our area of expertise. Um, we really prefer to use funds, and uh, we prefer to focus more on the allocation than the stocks. So. You know, there are, there are some clients that want to buy stocks, and and I guess the first question that the client or investor should ask themselves before they go buy stocks is, why? 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, we, we encourage people to have stock accounts if it's a trading account, if it's something that they're doing from the standpoint of I want to, uh, you know, I want to learn about the stock market. I want to learn how to buy and sell. I want to, um, you know, frankly, just kind of have fun and, and do it more as a kind of almost like a form of gambling in a way. Um, and that that's fine. We have no problem with that as long as it's a measured amount, as long as it makes sense, and as long as they understand why they're doing it. That's not really the focus of the podcast today. Um, focus of the podcast today is for people that are actually using stock investments in their uh, actual, you know, retirement-based or what we consider kind of real money accounts. Yeah, I mean, you've got to think about what the end game is for those stocks, and we have to have a game plan for those stocks that you own. I mean, there's got to be a, an exit point and an entry point of those stocks, and you have to intimately know each company. Um, it is not enough to just go, hey, you know what? There's an Amazon box that shows up at my house every single day, and therefore I want to buy Amazon stock. It, it doesn't really work that way. Like, do you know what the earnings reports have been, the trends, the price to earnings? Do you know the board of directors, members, uh, you know, profiles? Do you know the company intimately? Do you have a target entry point? Do you have a target exit point? Um, those are all the things that you have to have in mind if you want to be a good stock trader. And keep in mind that all the public information out there and you're fighting also against computers. And, you know, the stock market is a zero-sum game in that there is a winner and a loser on each stock that's traded. And, and so if you're going to fight the machine, it's really difficult. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's the, the whole point of what we're talking about here is is understanding why it is you're doing what you're doing, right? So if it's if it's I'm buying it in a trading account because I like it, it's fun. I like the companies that I'm buying. I know I, I know them from the standpoint of I wear the, wear their brands or you know I, I th that's the you know the brand of paper towel I buy when I go to the grocery store. You know that's fine. It's it's you're doing it from a from an enjoyment. There's a um, there's a kind of a perceived. Um, kind of game almost, if you will, that you kind of created for it, that, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it as long as it's a measured amount. Clint and I generally recommend that it's, you know, no more than 10% of your overall net worth and preferably even less than that. And it, it's something that you're doing and you're driving enjoyment from it. This is a different deal that we're talking about today. This is, no, I'm buying it because I truly believe it's an investment. I believe it's going to forward along my retirement or my retirement goals or my long-term goals. And so, therefore, I'm choosing to use this vehicle as opposed to a diversified vehicle. That's right. And, and I just encourage people that if you are going to have a, uh, an individual stock portfolio that you hire a manager to be able to do that, and it's either an investment advisor that specializes in that. And, you know, when you look at our, our office and we're in meetings and we don't have, you know, 16 trading screens up and we're looking at all the bid-ask spreads and all the different securities, I mean, that's not our area of expertise uh, we build out diversified portfolios with funds, so you need to find an investment advisor that does that, or have your investment advisor like us look at other uh, companies, you know, that are called separately managed accounts, and let's find a manager that has that sort of track record to do that. But doing it on your own when it's not your job, without having a team of analysts, is extremely difficult and is gambling. Um, it, it really is for 99% of the people that buy stack stocks, it's a, a form of legalized gambling. So we're not trying to dissuade anyone from that, although we kind of are. Um, but it's just one of those situations where, you know, you don't have any extra information 
um, yourself in your brain, unless you're insider trading, which is illegal, uh, you don't have any extra information uh, to lead you to have insight into those stocks. You are just saying, okay, I like, you know, NVIDIA because I like NVIDIA, or I like IBM because they have Watson, you know, and, and you're, you don't have, in most cases, we don't see that well thought out um, research um, that's widely available again uh, that, that can give you an edge. Yeah, I think I think the the one of the biggest differences between um, you know the, the big 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 time stock traders that do it correctly um, and kind of the everyday stock trader is that the big 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 time stock trader frankly does not care what the company is that he and sh he or she is buying. In other words, they don't care that it's a name brand. They don't care that it's a company they like from a personal standpoint. They care about the pure objective math and the reports that they get on that company, and are the stars aligning for that company to say, this is a good buy? So, uh, you know, take Warren Buffett, for example. Warren Buffett, frankly, does not care uh, whether he's buying company A, company B, or company C. He just cares about which one is presenting the best buy opportunity for him at that time. And it's our experience with clients that, that buy stock is that that is where uh, kind of the fork in the road happens. In other words, most people that we see want to buy companies that they like, okay? And they like them for a subjective reason. They don't like them from an objective reason, okay? And that's a big, big difference, right? So, you know, if you take most people, uh, you know, that, that, that shop in grocery stores, they're going to want to buy for stocks the names they see in a grocery store because they see it, they make it, it makes them feel comfortable. Those companies might not be you know, goodbyes at that point, just because you see them on the grocery store shelf, and that's the kind of of uh, you know product that you buy on a daily or weekly basis. That's exactly right. And you know, if you're if you get off to that really good start um, in buying stocks, or a really bad start in buying stocks, uh, and you you know you have done your research and things like that, the main component of your return at that time is probably just luck. It's either you have good luck or you have bad luck. And that is the only determinant of your rate of return. Uh, and so if you were throwing darts, if you were a monkey throwing darts and at the Wall Street Journal pages, I don't even know if they print those anymore. Do they print? You know, I think they do. But I believe uh, they do. I believe they do. Uh, so, you know, you, you could throw darts at the stock charts, and that would probably be performing just as well as your really well-researched stocks. And so the research is very much against you for picking your own stock. So I don't want to like pour cold water on all the stock pickers out there, but um, I guess I just did. Well, I think it's, it's you know, if, if you're going to do it, um, I think a lot of it comes down to, to, to understanding how to correctly do it. And at a bare minimum, um, here are a few things that you need to do. And even these bare minimums, we don't see happen all that often for people that buy stocks. One is understand why you bought the stock at the price you did. Okay. So don't just buy it today versus tomorrow versus next week because you 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 know popped into your head today. Oh, that's right, I got to buy that stock, right? So there should be some reasoning as to why you bought it today. Second thing, you should already before you buy the stock have an exit point where you know you're going to sell the stock at a certain price or a certain level. And if you don't have that already identified in your head, then you absolutely are gambling at that point. Okay, so if you're going to buy it at forty. You should know in your head that when it gets to 46 or 48 or whatever your exit point is, I am going to sell it when it gets to that point, okay? So setting the exit point, that's the, the kind of the second thing. The third thing is having the discipline to actually sell it when it gets to that point, right? And so what we're talking about is eliminating emotion from this transaction that you've done and truly making it an investment behavior or an investment 
uh, activity that you've done as opposed to I'm doing it for enjoyment. If I just blindly buy it today and I'm going to hope it goes up and then I'm going to blindly sell it in the future at some higher price, you know, you, you, that's that's the point that Clint's making is you're, you're basically then just throwing a dart at the dartboard saying, I hope this goes in the direction I want it to go. You've not really created an environment for you to either A, remove the emotion from it, which we know we have to do, or B, and even more importantly, understand what rate of return we're trying to achieve on that investment so that we can chart that over time and have a better understanding of what that ultimately means for us. That's exactly right. And, you know, I think we were in a meeting uh, yesterday, actually, with some clients, um, Nate, and I thought you made an excellent point, and I wanted to delve a little bit into it. Um, we had a client that had uh, company stock, and it's a, you know, it's a great company here in Madison. And uh, they had a bunch of company stock, and we talked to them about whether they should buy or sell uh, that company stock. And you know, you made the great point of saying, "Look, I know you work there. I know it's a great company, but." If this is a micro cap company and it's not in Madison, Wisconsin, and it's in Illinois, would you buy that as part of your own portfolio? And our client said, well, absolutely not. But it, because it was a company that had that sort of bias in there that, hey, it's, it's my company and therefore it's going to be around forever and it's a great stock. Yeah, we see these anchoring biases happen um, in, 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 in different forms. Um, one can be, well, we work there, so we know the company, right? Another one can be, well, it's a local company, so I can see it. I drive past their headquarters every day, so therefore I know more about this company. Okay. Well, just because you drive by their headquarters, does that really mean you know more about the company? Probably not, right? And the third one is, is kind of what we've been um, talking about already that kind of at a more kind of grand level is, you know, I wear the clothing, I buy the product, so therefore I know the company. Okay, we, you don't know the company anymore if you're not delving into their financial reports and any other company that may exist out there. And so I think a lot of people in Madison can draw experience back to a company called Sonic Foundry. Uh, where I think a lot of people, um, and not not a lot, not very many of them, have fond memories of their their investment uh, experience with Sonic Foundry. And I'm not I'm not taking a shot at Sonic Foundry or the people that invested there. I'm using it more as an example of saying, I think a lot of people went down that path because it was a Madison-based company, and they felt like they knew this company because it was a Madison-based company. All right, and that is where we have to be careful because just because we see the buildings or we know people that work there or maybe they are even our employer. It doesn't necessarily mean that we know that company um, as, as well as we should to be investing, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, you know, of our money into their stock. That's exactly right. Go look at a chart of Sonic Foundry. It's, it's S-O-F-O, I think, is the, uh, the ticker symbol. That was a fun one. I, you know, I loved the tech bust and watching stocks during that period of time. My first stock that I ever bought was Netscape. Um, so, you know, that's how'd that work out? Uh, it was good. That was good. And then I took my money, you know, as I said on a previous podcast, and I took my money there and I bought Massimo stock. And uh, Massimo then had. How did that work out? Uh, no, no, well, not well. And I did it with, with my, my buddy, uh, who we still keep in touch. He's a good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, it, it, so, you know, my foray into stocks is that I buy something that I like, um, and then you get emotionally attached to it, and then you just. Uh, that it either goes up or goes down, right? And then you just tell yourself a story about why you're going to buy more or sell more or what have you, and then you just do it, and then you buy something else later, uh, and you go through the same process. And you know, it's 
it's basically legalized gambling, even though I'm a financial advisor, consider myself fairly well read. Um, and I go through the same stuff. I'm, I'm no better. And that's, it's weird for a financial advisor to say that, but I'm no better a stock trader than any of my other clients. And so that's not our area of expertise here. Like, uh, you know, I, I think that, that people have that flawed thinking of saying, hey, you know, because you're a financial advisor, you must know how to trade stocks. No, I don't know how to trade stocks. I don't know how to trade stocks. I do it for fun. Um, I, I know how to select well-diversified mutual funds and build it in your portfolio, and that's how you generate rate of return is by selecting groups or baskets of securities and putting them together in the portfolio. And the portfolio makeup, to me, is the most important component of somebody's investment strategy. It is not the security selection. Uh, that that's a really good point, and I think that's that's the uh, the area we need to move to next is the litmus test that we use a lot for clients that come in, especially prospective clients that that are stock traders or or that kind of want to um, um, kind of almost uh, uh, kind of test our knowledge, if you will, of, of stocks and how that works. A great litmus test is to ask somebody, "What was your rate of return in your stock account or your stock investments over the last year, three years, five years?" Because the vast majority of stock traders don't know what their rate of return actually is. Now, let's be clear what we mean by that. That doesn't mean selecting the one or two or three winners out of 10 that somebody might have picked and, and the money they made on that. It doesn't mean kind of selecting certain time periods to say, well, over the last you know 412 days, I'm up or down or sideways this amount of money. We're saying overall rate of return, net of trading costs and fees, over a one-year, three-year, five-year period of time, if you don't know what that is and you are trading stocks and you don't know what that is for your own stock portfolio, you are not investing money. You are gambling with that money. That is more or less the definition, at least the simplest defi des definition or, or litmus test that we can come up with to determine whether or not somebody is you know, viewing that account as an investment account or if they're viewing that account as a trading-slash-gambling account. Well, that's exactly right. And if you ha don't have a benchmark that you are benchmarking yourself against and taking a look at that and side-by-siding it with theirs. So, for example, if you buy all these large-cap tech stocks, okay, you buy Amazon, you buy Google, Facebook, you know, and then you might buy, okay, I'm going to diversify, then so I'm going to buy some Caterpillar, and then I'm going to, you know, take a small-cap company, I'll buy some exact sciences, and I'll buy, you know, something else, Merck. All right, now I've got my portfolio. Those are my stocks that I bought. And then you, you track those, net of your trading costs, and then you got to look at an applicable benchmark. So perhaps that's the S&P 500. Well, if you bought all those stocks and you made 18%, you're patting on yourself on the back, but the index did 25%, you've done a pretty crappy job picking stocks. But you have to look at that and you have to benchmark yourself against something and see, are you actually doing a good job? Um, you know, is your rate of return from you know, randomness over certain periods of time, or is it really that you are a, a skilled stock picker and you won't be able to find that out for three to five years uh, and perhaps even 10 years? So, um, you know, I, I wish people well in their stock journey and, and I enjoy watching stocks. You know, people give me, you know, ideas all the time and I'll track them and follow them. But I mean, I, you know, it, it's just a really, really difficult game. Yeah, and we'll wrap up by, by saying this, because we want people to walk away and, and, and hopefully we want people to take away the, the, the correct message from what we've gone over today. The message is this. Stocks are not bad. We don't discourage people from buying stocks. We're not saying that you shouldn't do it. We're not saying that, that it is a, an inferior form of investing compared to diversified investments. Uh, many, many people have made you know, uh, their careers on trading stocks. But if you are not going to devote the time and energy and expertise into that area of your investing life, then you need to realize that it is something that you're doing 
for enjoyment, pleasure, um, you know, maybe even education. And that's okay as long as it's a measured amount of money. So where we find people getting themselves into trouble is when they are using kind of a little bit of both, you know, of both both sides of that example. So, for example, they're using it for a little bit of an enjoyment and, and, and education, but they're doing it with, you know, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of, of dollars of their retirement money. Okay, those two things can't go together. Okay, so if it's going to be something you're going to do for enjoyment and you, you like doing it, it needs to be held off in a separate account. You understand the purpose of it. You understand why it's good. You understand that if I, if I, if I make a dollar of profit, that's good at the end of the day for that kind of account. That is not how we want to handle our real retirement assets that we've worked our lifetime trying to, uh, trying to obtain. Or better yet, maybe hire, your financial, hire a financial advisor to help you build your allocation and incorporate in um, you know, some of your, your wants and desires. And you know, instead of spending all the time doing research, you know, hang out in the steam room a little longer. No, don't do that. Don't. Do that. I mean, Come unless on. unless you. I don't. Maybe I. Maybe I don't understand how to do it. You just sit, right? That's what you do. You just sit down because that's what I'm doing. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. Am I supposed to be standing? Maybe am I, am I supposed to be running in place? I don't understand. I have seen somebody shave in there, and it's very uncomfortable. What? I, uh, yes, yes. See, that's the other thing I don't like about it is I don't. The people other the the time the few times that I've been in there. People are doing other things. It's weird. What I don't understand. None of it makes sense to me. You know, if weird I want stretches, and then some. I have seen. You know, it's they always bring in like a disposable razor and dry shave, and I. Wow. I don't, I don't know. It's savage. That's aggressive. <laughs> That's aggressive. Yeah, yeah. There's some a little weirdness you got to put up with every once in a while. Like I, I have not been in a steam room or a sauna in a, in a little while. I prefer to do it in more of a spa environment. You know. Uh, as I've gotten older, you know, uh, I don't know if it, you know, I know Jonathan loves to get himself a nice steam on and I'm like, I don't know, man. I, like I said, more power to those that but do. But I do enjoy it. You know, I got a buddy of mine that's got a, uh, got a, uh, you know, either a steam room or a sauna, I don't know, in his house. I mean, that's he bought awesome. one of these things and he loves it and this is what he does. And it's, it's, I love the people that do it and that enjoy doing it. Great for them. I just don't understand it. It doesn't, for me, mm, Well, you can't, can't sit in there physically. Like you don't. Like three and a half minutes I, seems like. An can eternity. I bring a golf club in there? Can I? Can no, I practice hitting sit. chip shots? Sometimes or you have to sit with your own thoughts. Well, then maybe just... I could do that. I, if I could bring a golf. Like, can I bring a wedge in there? No, and... you cannot. No, you sit. You sit and you just like enjoy and relax. You just you just let it go. All right, somewhere in the University of Chicago, Kevin is screaming at us right now. That's what up, so. Hi, Kevin. If Hi, you're Kevin. If you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate Kevin and the rest of you listening today. And if you. Uh, in all seriousness, want to talk more about stocks and and um, you know kind of how they fit in your portfolio and how we would ultimately um, you know handle an account that has stocks in it. By all means, give us a call, um, shoot us an email, book an appointment. We'd love to talk more about it, and uh, we look forward to talking to you more at our next podcast. Give me some truth. Give me some truth.
Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the states of Wisconsin and Texas. Clint Walkner and Nate Condon are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Kevin Castro is an office manager and marketing communications specialist for Walkner Condon Financial Advisors. He is not registered, and his participation in this podcast is limited to unregistered activities and will not be providing any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments he makes be construed as giving investment advice. Insurance products and services are offered through WC Insurance Services, LLC, Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, and WC Insurance Services, LLC, are affiliated companies. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any of the securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors LLC is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizons. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not promise or guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.